0: Now you're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I am here at the Momentum Studios. Spencer Shea is joining me via cell phone. What up, my guy? We
1: out here, man. We Reporting out here. from an undisclosed location in the heart of Portland, Oregon, my friend. I'm trying to be in the streets today, trying to get a the feel of the temperature of what's going on. It's a big day, Devon. So, Huge day.
0: So last week, you talked about how you're getting ready to start like roaming around. So this could somewhat yeah. become a norm for some segments when we do have Spencer on here where today, he's reporting live from the streets of Portland, Oregon. Next week, he might be reporting live from the streets of, I don't know, Chicago, Illinois or some something, something crazy. Yeah, I'm going to
1: be out and about, bro, because I think it's mad important. There's so much information getting spread around and I think the way that it's being received is it's, it's, you got it's. I'm trying to put my finger on the pulse here, man. Got it. I got to go hear some stories, bro. Got it. Got I can't, it. I can't keep up Devon. I can't keep up, man. So def- There's just too much going on. I, I got to be as, as moving as quickly as the information is. Let's put it that way.
0: At least an attempt because this information moves fast today, baby. This is an on-demand society, whether it be how you consume media, whether it be just, the fact that the internet has become more and more relied upon as times progress. So good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck beating information, brother, because, yeah, yeah, all I got to do is tap Twitter, baby. You might be on some highway, you know, down in the Midwest. But uh, all it is is a click for me. So good luck. (laughs) Hey, but you know what, man? But you know what, bro? No, but for real, it is
1: going to be a win share regardless because, I'm going to see a bunch of people that I haven't really been able to see since they're in other places in the country. So, you know, I'm going to go, uh, like I said, shake some hands and kiss some
0: babies. I- I love I'll
1: be it. out there. I'll, and I'll definitely be calling it a Wake Up and win, and we'll uh, and we'll talk about
0: it. A- absolutely. So I don't have any wind share announcements today. Um, there's obviously a lot going on, but we got to talk about the real stuff first. Um, you know, one thing about being a podcaster, man, especially when it comes to this platform in particular – We do this thing here once a week, so a lot, as we just talked about and alluded to the speed of information, a lot can happen in between one Thursday and the next when we record our podcast, which is on Thursday. So um, Friday morning, after we had already recorded Thursday, we released the episode, and the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade uh, in regards to abortion rights. Had a huge impact on society. I mean, everywhere I went, you know, there were emotions ranging all over the place. I mean, having to get that information on the way into work. Like, I even had coworkers who had to just, like, say, hey, I'm on my way to work right now, but, like, my emotions are crazy right now. Probably not the best for me to be in at work following this decision. Totally respect that. Um, And then just being at work and just seeing – people of all types of different backgrounds come in and, and speak to their emotions and their concerns. And, you know, just this historic landmark decision, which for me, I don't think was for the better. Obviously there's another group of folks out there that will say otherwise, but as for me, and I'll let you have the autonomy to speak for yourself, Spencer, in this regard, but this wasn't a decision that I agree with. This wasn't a decision that, um, I was a fan of, but I also am aware that Spencer, you and I are two guys talking on this podcast, speaking about right. a, 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 an issue that directly impacts women and directly impacts men as well. So we can more so probably speak from that lens, but certainly directly impacts women and, and the choice that they have to be able to go and get an abortion. Um, so, you know, for starters, I'll just say I, I feel for those women. I I sympathize with those women. I advocate for those women. Um, And and obviously, I believe our elected officials need to get to work and figure out some way of codifying this thing um, and and really pushing back against the Supreme Court when it comes to these decisions. But one thing that I could sort of say has gotten under my skin the most, not the most, but has gotten under my skin, especially in the space that I'm in, um, just seeing so many women have to come out and speak their stories about when they had an abortion, not because they want to, but because they feel like a boundary has now been crossed and they have to tell their stories. And they haven't told their stories up until this historic decision was made. And it just, it just, it hurts me every time I see another woman, whether it be a friend, a journalist, anybody with a platform, have to speak out and tell their abortion stories when it really ain't none of my business and none of y'all's business either. But they feel like they have to make it everybody's business because they're obviously doing anything to advocate for women to be able to have the right that they once had when they went through an abortion. And I'll be honest with you, Spencer, that is like gotten under my skin so much in this last week, and it's still something I'm processing. Like Next week, there might be another element to this thing that gets under my skin about this, but that right there has really like made it tough for me to like, ah, why do they have to tell us about when they had a right to do something with their body because now they don't have the right to do said thing with their body.
1: Yeah, I mean, it... <sighs> I, you know I'm pro-choice to put it as plainly as it can be said yeah and 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 I think to and and to, to go further than that like to reference what you were talking about because I, I you know I, I um I understand why you'd have to say all right let me tell you what time it is because this is something that really affects me and I feel like I need to say something about it and that's the thing it's like the people that are on the the, the pro life side of things, and I know people like that from growing up in in you know rural Oregon, where there's uh, you know I grew up in church and stuff, so I, I do know people like that. But you Same. know, like I don't, but I don't hear those people speaking out and and feeling the need like you're talking about to like you know to like speak their story, even though it's hard because you know it's it's an issue that's important to them and that they and that they care enough to fight for and like. You know my uh, Opinion on the matter or like Or like my feelings on the matter are like The women in my life That I that I love and that Love me and that care about me and and Care for me like I want Them to have all of the confidence That they can in the world Yeah and when they don't have that Because it makes me more confident because I wouldn't I wouldn't be alive without I mean like the women in my life For sure obviously off off of my birth For sure but like you know what I'm saying? Like the women in my life, my mom, my grandma, and then you know other women in my life. Like they've kept me alive, yeah. And like I trust, I trust their perspective on the value of life, because, you know, of the of the sacrifices and and the and the effort that they and the responsibility that they've taken for mine. And so I I want them to have the confidence and be able to make the choices that they want to make. And I have no problem whether i agree with it or not which i 100 percent do to absolutely fight for that yeah and that's the thing that kind of that, that's the thing that irritates me that it's like you know there are people on the other side of things that like are trying to um you know like position their opinions based on this like sense of like womanhood and responsibility for life and again this is just me obviously i know this is overstepping in terms of like what what i what i have perspective on but it's just like Yo, man, like the women that I know in my life who care about this issue deeply and that they want, you know, this thing to be codified into law, which it looks like Biden tweeted, you know, to, you know, that's the place to get the information out quickly. But he tweeted it. Yeah, probably, you know, probably quicker,
0: than probably quicker than you driving from Portland to Chicago, huh? Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about that. No <laughs> doubt about that.
1: But I'm going to tell you, man, like, you know, it looks like there's going to be some sort of, you know, the, the rallying cry has obviously been heard. and yes. I'm going to keep. Banging that drum, obviously, and we're going to keep banging it here on the podcast. But it's like, you know, it, it, there's just still so much to be done, and it's such a, you know, like a, a, like a perilous moment. It feels like. Yeah. And um, and it's hard not to feel like you know some. It, it's hard not to feel like, you know, feelings. Of, you know what I'm saying? Like empathy. No, no, <laughs> you know, I, 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 have that, but you I agree I mean? with
0: you. I, I agree with you 100. And uh, I feel like
1: it's just. I just feel like it's my like. My purpose to be like, all right, whatever anyone, you know, like these women in my life and and people that, you know, are saying these things and talking about their bodies and and having to share these traumas, whatever they need me to do, I'm just going to be there to do it. Exactly. And and I'm going to continue to do that until until this whole thing gets sorted and we can just, I don't know, start valuing women as far as at least like the judiciary system is concerned. For sure. I don't know. That seems pretty easy to me because it is literal cut and dry, you know, what you can put into law. So I don't know, man, it just really sucks. But I I, I feel very hopeful because like I said, I trust, I trust the women in my life that, you know, to, 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 to do, you know, to have the better perspective on life and, and the value of that. And I just trust that, that, you know, idea is going to prevail ultimately. And and maybe that's, maybe that's. And and
0: ultimately, ultimately, my confidence and belief in those women in my life, your life, just regard just women in general, like my confidence in them to overcome this new hurdle is there more so than my confidence in them not to be able to do so just because of the heroics that I've seen come from women in a mass amount of ways. I do believe that we will, again, and I'll do whatever I do, I need to do to support and allow these women to take the lead in that charge. Because again, this directly affects them. It affects men too, but more indirectly when it comes to like something happening to their actual bodies. But like, I do believe that we have the women capable, and I do believe we have influential women that will be able to take the lead in us being able to overcome this hurdle as a society. So that's kind of where I'm I'm standing in all of this. Like, it's easy to be down and depressed and, and sad about what's going on and what's happening. And you have every right to have all of those feelings and all of those emotions because this is just outright horrible, in my opinion. But at the same time, for me personally... I want to lean into the strength of women. And if that does mean we've got to be sad at times and at points and we've got to feel different feels at particular times to lean into what all compiles to become the strength that I've seen women uphold in society in my lifetime and historically from what I've been able to read, research, gather, so on and so forth, I have the mentality of I think the movement of women today is stronger than it's ever been. I think the influence of women today is greater than it's ever been. And I am personally going to lean into that, support that, and do everything I can from my position as a man to enhance that because I think that's what it's ultimately going to take for us to overcome this and decisions that men are a part of that really just shouldn't be a part of. Well
1: yo, I mean it feels like I mean what I see and I'm I'm this is yeah, it, we have to get this abortion situation figured out and we have to stand behind women because how it affects men and people at large societally is is that abortion is a healthcare issue and this is a healthcare issue and yeah. if you have you know and, and, and particularly as it pertains to like women of color and, you know, just sort of like socioeconomically underprivileged women or regardless of, you know, particular demographics, like if they are the I feel like they're the doorstep in order to prevent the continual undermining of healthcare at large in this country. Yeah. Like you have to you have to protect those rights very like steadfastly, because otherwise it just opens up the door for. Just uh, you know what I'm saying, like more undermining of healthcare that will turn around and affect everybody, including men. Yep. And including you know what I'm saying, like yep. and so that's why it's just like you can't we you can't take your foot off the gas on this
0: one. Can't take it off the gas and, on this
1: one. And, and honestly, bro, it feels like with this Biden tweet. I mean, it just I don't know, man. I just feel like that guy's kind of dragging his feet a little bit. Interestingly, because he was part of you know he's Obama's vice president, and Obama was sort of like. The first Twitter president. Yeah. And I just felt like I just feel like his his people could be on that a little harder. Yeah. But but, uh you know, maybe that's an indication that they don't really care so much. It wouldn't be. Yeah. You know, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Right. Because That's how it feels. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Pressure's on. Uh Pressure's yeah, on and Senate. And, and we should. Pressure's and on Congress. It. Pressure's on political officials, obviously, especially at, at, at local and state levels, too. Pressure's on because at the end of the day, the local and state level officials will be able to dictate and determine if well, things become illegal in said states, in said well, counties, in said towns, so on and so forth. So well, it's I not just... I saw just... a
1: report... Go, go ahead. ahead.
0: No, you go ahead. I just, saw a re- I just saw a report that Montana
1: is looking like they're not going to book any abortions from people... Coming that aren't living in the state, and they're citing the legal, you know. I guess I'm paraphrasing the quote, but the 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 legal landscape is so crazy right now, so they don't even want to touch it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so it's you know what I mean. And like I was waiting for somebody to say something like that because initially it was like, oh, people are going to drive from state to state. It's like, well, what if the state doesn't allow it? And so you know, it's just this splintering off of government, and, and I love that exactly from the local and state level. That's, I mean, that's where the, that's where the boots are going to hit the ground. For every sure. Time.
0: For sure. Every time. <laughs> and
1: so, and, and that's where people are going to be directly affected. And so. definitely, yeah. I mean, it, it just, it, it needs to happen from that executive level. and Biden needs to get on
0: that shit. He 100% <laughs> does. So again, you know, uh, I, we, we both obviously are not in alignment with the decision that was made by the Supreme court. Um, again, it's only so deep we can go into it as two fellas here, but you know, and as
1: and as and as it progresses, we, you know, what I'm yeah. saying like it's
0: changing every second, for sure, for sure. But but uh definitely, you know, a hard one that we're all kind of coping and dealing with and trying to navigate through as a society. And obviously, you know, I, I definitely want to keep women first in all of this um from the direct impacts that they have, and I want to do everything that I can and every piece of leverage that I have to be able to support women in this journey of, of now having to overcome this new historic hurdle, if you will. Um, and and that's just kind of where I stand on it, man. It's like, I just want to be here to be able to support them in this, because I know it's hard for them. I know it's tough on them. And uh, again, as you mentioned, it's a healthcare issue. And, as I spoke to earlier, like that's why I'm having that. It's so personal that that's why it's really been getting under my skin hearing all of these women have to publicly speak out about their healthcare issues. Like that has yeah. been so tough for me. And I know there's another side to the argument that I'm already seeing people starting to use in regards to the vaccine, well, well, especially the people obviously that support this choice from the Supreme Court where they want to say, well, if you, y'all want to bring up body autonomy when it comes to women, then why didn't you have that same or keep that same energy, if you will, when it came to getting a needle stuck in my arm? And the, the, here's the thing, at least from my lens and my perspective, I am not against anti-vaxxers. I'm against misinformation and a lot of folks that didn't want to get the needle in their arm, whether it was, regardless of what you identify as if a person was just delayed because the lack of trust in the healthcare system, I can 100% adhere to that. If a person, especially for black people, people of color, people that have been let down time and again, and most often by the healthcare industry, those reasons are legit to me. But a lot of the reasons that were being put out there was because of flat-out misinformation. And we started to try, or people attempted to try to make misinformation true just because they simply didn't want to do it, when I felt like there were so many other ways to be able to civilly have that conversation about the vaccine, but it wasn't going to happen civilly it, if you were spewing misinformation, <laughs> like no, like, and that no, exactly, is bro. the that, biggest problem. There, it's like don't try to compare the two when one of them we're talking about it from a misinformed lens, and another one we're just talking about it from straight up taking away a person's right to be. <laughs>
1: yo, it's
0: it's two so completely crazy to, different because, things.
1: Yo, that's so crazy cuz I have a, a a a friend, some a couple, some friends and uh uh the gal was a, a teacher. Yeah. A school teacher. It was all she ever wanted to do um here in Oregon and by the time that uh you know at the height of the vaccine, you know, uh mandates when sc- certain schools were um saying that you had to get vaccinated if you wanted to teach there she declined that and quit her job because it, her and uh, her husband wanted to have a baby. Yeah. Now they just had their baby, uh-huh. their, their, their daughter at the beginning of this year, uh-huh. but they, but she doesn't, she's not a teacher anymore. And she was like, and when I had the conversation with her, she was like, well, I'm afraid that the vaccine is going to like, you know, disallow me to have a bit like my ability to have a baby. Yeah. And I was like, yo, I don't know if that's exactly true. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like, I don't think that you can say that that's true at all. That sounds like misinformation. And to put your career on the line for that is just so crazy to me. But, you know, I mean, that, that that's how that's how da- I mean, that's how influential information can just be yeah. online. It, it is literally changing people's lives and changing the trajectory of their lives. Absolutely. And so absolutely, it's so really again, hard to suss all that out, Devon.
0: For sure. And, and it is really hard to suss all that out. And that's why I, I wanted to be like very clear in that because I'm already seeing those arguments. And I think that it, it needs to be said, like body autonomy and misinforming somebody to me are separate. Like if you don't want to get the vaccine, I, I, I'm okay with that being your boundary. Just say, I don't want to get the vaccine because I don't want to get the vaccine. And guess what? That's enough for me. The problem is, people get to talking too deeply about why they don't want to get the vaccine, and we find out that a lot of the reason is because they're just flat-out misinformed. And that's mm-hmm. when it becomes an issue in regards to the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers, and then those conversations and those two groups get like pitted up against each other, and conversations get manipulated into things such as body autonomy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and sure. that's not what I personally speak to when I sound like I come off as somebody that's like pro-vaccine or supports getting vaccinated or even publicly speaks out about me getting vaccinated. And again, even that is my choice to want to do so and to do so. But also for the folks that don't want to, it's not that you have to have an explanation for me at all why you don't want to, but don't make one up. You know oh what I'm saying? God. Like like you don't even have to explain to me at all why you didn't want to get vaccinated. But too many people that didn't get vaccinated got to explaining hey. and that's Can't when they lost know. me. <laughs> that's <what> they <laughs> They got to man. talking and explaining, and I was like, thing, huh? <laughs> some,
1: some people got to chill out on that talking, bro. It ain't,
0: it ain't for everybody, dog. That's <laughs> when, like, that's when <laughs> and, and then, again, and then all of a sudden you get thrown of this to this side of, like, being pro-vaccine and being against anti-vaccines. It's like, nah, dog. I, I I mean, I did what I did, and I made decisions that I made for me and the people around me. Like, if you make a decision for a different reason, that's Okay. I'm not here to investigate why you didn't get vaccinated. The problem is you got a little bit too willing to tell me why you didn't get vaccinated. And now I'm hearing all this fluff and all this misinformation. And now I'm rebutting that. I'm not rebutting the fact that you decided not to get vaccinated because it's your body and it's your choice. Cool. That's all yours. I'm not judging you for it. I'm not looking at you no different for it. Where I get to judging and looking at you different is when you start explaining some shit that, that isn't no exactly it's like, <laughs> it's
1: like I'm, I'm never gonna not like you I, i'm never gonna not like you because you want to
0: make your own choices but i definitely will not like you if you're stupid yeah <laughs> <laughs> you <know>? and, <laughs> and that's been the big thing for me man is like stop trying to compare body autonomy to body autonomy like have your boundaries and set them i'm a-okay with that but don't start telling me misinformation. That's right. where the problem lies for me. And that's where I think the problem lies for many, but it got manipulated back into this body autonomy conversation. And, and it's Yo, just whack.
1: And, and and it sucks because, you know, we're, we're leaving this, like, you know, these interpretations and these ways of defining things up to this clearly flimsy court system. Yeah. And, and, and clearly corrupt. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. And so... But, but I mean, I mean, it's this why it's just so important that you got to have the conversations and we have to codify this stuff because other, otherwise we're just going to keep having all of this, this crazy talk going around, man. We really just need to get through these things so we can start focusing up on, you know, more big picture stuff. Like it should not be an issue in 2022 that women don't have autonomy over their own bodies. For sure. It's For just, sure. it's just, it's archaic. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll see, man. I'm, like I said, we're strapping in, bro. I'm not like I said. I'm on these streets, and I'm talking. Absolutely, we're getting, we're getting the info, man. People are feeling. People are feeling strong, bro. That that definitely that's that's the big thing, man. Imbue the people with confidence, man. For sure, Imbue For sure. Imbue women with confidence. That's what we're doing out
0: here. Absolutely. Transitioning. We got to talk about it. I hate. I hate. I hate that we have to talk about it. And I'll obviously get into the reasons why. But. Charlotte Hornets, Miles Bridges was arrested in L.A. on the eve of free agency, which is today. And we'll talk a little bit about free agency today, but I'll more so dedicate free agency to next week's episode because I want to actually give time to allow things to actually happen in free agency before we take a deep dive on it. But um, Miles Bridges got arrested in Los Angeles. Um, I'm reading from ESPN right here. Charlotte Charlotte Hornets forward Miles Bridges was arrested in Los Angeles on Wednesday afternoon and booked on a felony domestic violence warrant. The Los Angeles Police Department confirmed to ESPN on Thursday. The LAPD did not release details on the charges, but it confirmed to ESPN that Bridges was released later Wednesday on a $130,000 bond and is scheduled to appear in court on July 20th. I also read elsewhere that the alleged victim in this situation uh, did have to receive medical attention. I don't know to what extent. And obviously with Wednesday being just yesterday, this is still a fairly new report. And there is a lot of details that we probably don't have about this because it is so new. With that being said, we're going to lead with women here on this as well. Obviously. I hope she's okay. I hope she's okay. You feel for the alleged victim. Um, You know, obviously, you know, again this is all allegations here we're speaking of a lens of from a lens of allegations but if the alleged victim was indeed violently treated by Miles Bridges um you feel for you know that's a traumatic experience from the point of obviously the violent act and thereafter when she's just going to have to kind of be dealing with the triggers of the trauma from said violent act from Miles Miles Bridges. So certainly want to lead with supporting the alleged victim and sending our well wishes to her and her wellness at large. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And her safety. And uh, I mean, if this is an issue with them, I mean, I hope that she, you know, is is free from that, you know, from him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, And in terms of, you know, but not being subjected to that kind of abuse again. And it'll be a really, really happy day for me, Devon, when we get to talk on this podcast for an hour and not hear another story about women being abused. But, yeah. You know, and, and and especially by, you know, a professional athlete, a black professional athlete.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I and I think even more so with that, black, white, any professional athlete, for me, is more so where I stand on that. But 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 even beyond that, like. This is kind of going away from the women part, which is why I wanted to make sure we acknowledge that first. Speaking of Miles Bridges in particular, um, one thing I feel for is like intersectional folk. Obviously, I host an intersectional podcast with the Wake Up and Win podcast right now. And Miles Bridges made the decision to become an intersectional athlete as he was an athlete rapper. Now, obviously, my number one genre that I support is rap, hip hop, so on and so forth. And I I am well aware of violence. I'm well aware of the content within rap, hip hop, especially in particular, like street music, if you will, which is the type of music that Miles Bridges produced. Like his content was, was definitely rugged. It was hardcore. It spoke to violence. It spoke to things of that sort. And I have more of a soft spot for those people that rap about that content because I know oftentimes they get stereotyped and they get stigmatized for the music they're making rather than who they are, especially coming from an an inner city neighborhood myself. I can connect with some of those people who may be rapping those kinds of lyrics, A lot better than maybe a person who doesn't come from the inner city or a person who isn't black or a person who just, you know, has no awareness or no relation to that type of lifestyle, that type of music, that part and that aspect of culture, if you will. And what I hate about it in Miles Bridges case is, you know. A lot of these young athletes are looking up to the Miles Bridges of the world. They're looking up to the Damian Lillards of the world. Obviously, we could speak historically and the impact that guys like Deion Sanders have had, Shaq has had, um, from more of a cultural standpoint, Allen Iverson has had when it comes to the intersectionality of sport and culture, particularly basketball and culture, if you will. And I'll even throw football in there as well because football is also, or the NFL in particular, is also Uh, primarily black league, as is the NBA, which Miles Bridges plays in. But there is a responsibility that athlete rappers have with the platforms that they have, not only as an athlete and being able to allow for that avenue to be a pursued avenue and become more normalized for athletes that do indeed rap, but also for the rappers, because the rappers are fighting a fight to this day. I mean, one of them is fighting against being able to use lyrics in in, in court. and And that's a fight that rappers are facing today right now, is to not allow their lyrics from their music to be able to dictate their court cases, and so on and so forth. I don't want to see that for young rappers because they might be rapping about something that is totally not aligned with what actually happened for said case. But when you have a situation like Miles Bridges and you do commit a violent act and you rap about violence, regardless if that the violence looks the same from what's in your music and from the crime that you actually committed, allegedly, The stigma only becomes more negative against people that are pursuing said avenue. And it's an avenue that's going to continue to be pursued because the cultures are so closely connected. And I support those cultures being closely connected because I come from those cultures. So I hate to see when you feel like there may be like a lack of understanding of both subjects that you are now intersecting and you're kind of just doing it for the sake of doing it or because you think it's the cool thing to do it it just I hate to see this happen and this feels like a step back for folks in that intersectional space space of athlete rappers and I even think of like I cover college basketball more in particular and Zeb you know it There's a guy at the university that I cover that comes right here to the momentum studios and, and records his music. He records his raps. He's a rapper and he's also an athlete, but I also understand like there's been stigmas against that in the past. And although I think that kid is very good and hasn't proven to, to be like this bad guy, it's always in the back of my mind. Like I hope that this rap shit doesn't interfere with his ultimate path as an athlete, not because of him, but because of whoever said decision-makers are that that have cachet over his career path. And I, and I always think about that. And again, Miles Bridges, I just felt like, took a step back for those that are in that intersectional space where I think somebody like a Damian Lillard had taken a step forward for those that are in said intersectional space. It, it, it kind of like rubbed against each other instead of all pushing a progression forward for those that, that are doing said thing and being athlete rappers. Yeah,
1: well, I, I mean, I feel like, look, Miles Bridges is not, this isn't his first fumble, if you will, you know? And uh, I, um, it's like guys cough it up every day. But not not every day are, are guys with that kind of talent and who also are doing, you know, a multitude of sort of intersectional things that put them out into the spotlight and to, to the effect that that he is in right now. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like Damian Lillard is a good example, but he's not he, he's not the rule. You know what I mean? He's the exception. It's very difficult for guys to be able to find a work-life balance and a hobby balance, I mean, in any walk of life. But James' ability to do that and have them all sort of push harmoniously toward his brand and toward his ultimate success, that's an exception. And so, you know, it is really difficult, and it is really, you know, like, likely, or it can be potentially likely for, you know, this rap shit <laughs> to, to jam you up. Yeah. Especially if you got a lot on the line. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and the way that I see it is, is like, bro, you're 24 years old. You're, you know, you're, you got, you got these, some, some fish, you know, in some baskets here that could really like feed you for a long time. Generation. Like for generations, g- generational wealth is yeah. what worked t- what is on the line for this young man. Yeah. And, and 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 what it makes me think about bro <coughs> excuse me is that you know we talk all the time about because you're right it's not just black athletes it's athletes all the time of course the 24 hour cycle gets a lot more playoff black athlete I'll just leave that there but the other ones the other guys you you know the MLB guys let's say they usually get their in and out real quickly that doesn't stay on the on the pages for very long yeah. but that's beside the point the point is, is that we talk all the time about, man, you know, there's like this domestic violence problem in professional sports and everyone's kind of going, I, don't, huh, I wonder, you know, I wonder what's the, what, what that's about. And it's like, well, you know, you guys are over here talking about protecting these, these valued assets that you're putting hundreds of millions of dollars on their head. It's like, dude, why aren't we giving more like mental health and therapy and like trying to be on top of that, not just from like a, from a professional standpoint as far as professional sports are concerned but like right down to like schooling and, and then into college and it just seems like and I'm just trying to look pragmatically at it from a business standpoint I'm just like okay if you guys are over here having to like dodge and spin all these stories of these of, of your you know of your employees coming out doing wild shit then why don't you just get on top of that and, and try to offer some sort of like healthcare related you know Support. Support. Yeah. That, that, that's what I, that's what, that's what just baffles me. Yeah. It's like, you know, and, and, and I think that it would be beneficial to people because I mean, I don't know, man, like it, it's hard for me because, you know, like I come from a place that's not, you know, like that, that, you know, you could categorize as, as not a great neighborhood. And so like, and I'll just put it plainly, like, you know, the, the concept and like the activity of like domestic disputes in, you know, lower income areas and places that I grew up, like that's not something that's going to like a, a lot of the times, like ring a lot of bells for people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that that kind of behavior, and I mean, I, I I can't pin down exactly why that is, but, um but uh you know, it's like that, that behavior is just the type of stuff that becomes learned and ingrained and habit. Yeah. When you live in places where it's like every day, some it's going down like that. You know what I mean? Like, right. And so that th- those habits they get formed, and I think that it's you know like tr- probably tra- I mean probably trauma based why people like carry those habits out into adulthood regardless of successes that they're afforded. But it's like it just it just to me it just goes well then just care more like offer more support because you're trying to protect. Are you trying to protect your? you know, the, 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 guys that are making you money, it just, to me, it just seems so cut and dry in that people drag their feet on it. It's very indicative of something else Yeah. that, that maybe they just don't. I mean, it, I, 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 I mean, I hate to say it, but it just feels like it's just not really valuing like the plight of women because if two dudes got into a fight and some guy had to, and some guy and, and a guy had to be carted off in an ambulance at the facility, you bet. You better believe that that's never going to happen again at any organization ever. They'll yeah. put security. They'll yeah. put a security team in there. You know what I'm saying? Like they'll 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 put uh, metal detectors for guys to get into practice if they have to, if it gets serious enough. Right? Didn't they in fact do that when uh, 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 Gilbert pulled that gun over in Washington? They had to change the team name.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, no but you know what i'm yeah, saying it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. when it comes to protecting your assets it just seems like there's a line that's drawn
0: definitely and, definitely
1: and so i don't know man that, that that's what that's what i continue to think about and it just makes me like it really it really makes my head go like i can't i don't understand why we're why we're having these conversations like we need to have the real conversation of like
0: we need to support Yeah, we bro. need to find solutions. <laughs> is, yeah. It, or or at, least, at least attempt to find solutions. And a lot of the times, it just doesn't feel like even the attempts are being made to find solutions. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And it's like, it's it's unfortunate. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is, again, I, I you know, I, I support the victim first in all of this. And... I, I am also aware that Miles Bridges is a young man and he's what, exactly. 24, he's 24, he's years, 24 old. years old. It's There's... like you're
1: going to sit here and tell me that that young man's like mental health for his life isn't important enough and worth it enough to try to address right now at 24. Yeah. Instead, you're going to let like the 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 weakened perception of athletes, young athletes and what this does to the perception of that. And, and, and the way you said it, taking a step back. You're gonna let that dictate your policy going forward, and I think
0: that's totally incorrect. I, I agree. I agree one thousand one thousand um, percent. Do we do do we get into NBA free agency? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Because here's the thing: like, <laughs> I, we've been. I, I, I know we both been glued to Twitter. I kind of I had a pretty busy work day so I actually haven't my phone I've, I've been getting a bunch of notifications and messages and things of that sort but I had I actually haven't been glued to Twitter plus free agency just officially started about 56 minutes ago from when it is that we're recording obviously we we were getting all these reports on uh intentions but free agency technically doesn't start until it just started 56 minutes ago. So, I mean, the main thing I want to talk about more so than free agency, because this actually isn't free agency technically is Kevin Durant requesting a trade. I'll talk more about free agency next week. Um, We'll probably have a guest on to come talk about it as well. Cause I do want to dig deep into NBA free agency. This is just more coincidental timing because Kevin Durant ain't no free agent, but, a couple days ago, Kyrie Kyrie Irving opted in to this upcoming season of his contract, and a couple days later, KD says, hey, man, I want to get traded, and obviously – with all the moves that are going to be happen- happening and all the shuffling that's going to be happening, it's no surprise timing-wise that KD would request a trade at this particular moment in time, especially being that he really wants out because this is when the most shuffling is happening across the league anyway. But what are some of your initial thoughts on this, bro? He ain't fooling with the Nets no more.
1: <laughs> you know, my initial thoughts are just these days these guys are wild. <laughs> like these dudes.
0: You, you want to know my initial thoughts?
1: Nuts. You want to know my initial yeah,
0: thoughts? My initial thoughts are Dubs in 5. We got the league in a frenzy again. <laughs> <laughs> dubs in 6. It don't matter how many games. Dubs win. Yo. We got the we got the league in a frenzy again. And Every time we win, God, we shake that free agency summer up. And free Ew. agency, think about it. God. Free agency Ew. summers Ew. have not been this lit in a couple few years when the Warriors was not winning. Now all of a sudden we you, win it again and the internet I- I'm is gonna broke. Tell you, bro. Listen. <laughs> internet's broke.
1: Listen, I'm going to tell you, bro. It's what what it is, bro. The Golden State Warriors ended up getting the win. Got the whole league in a tizzy, and now everybody is looking at who else but LeBron James. He's the only guy, dude. He's the only guy. That's why Brian Windhorst comes out with a (laughs) a deep sigh on ESPN, and he goes, it looks like the Lakers have said they floated out an idea to have a package for KD to come play with LeBron. (laughs) that's insane did you hear what i just said and yeah then, i and then just heard you say, say that well, i, 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 I saying, didn't well, hear well, that actually Kyrie but too? oh yeah oh dude it just it just happened okay it's very because the main
0: thing that i've heard was that was that katie wanted to go to the Suns, but the Nets said they got to get Devin booker in return for katie
1: yeah he said he either wants to go to miami or to phoenix which it's like whatever dude <laughs> The fact is, is, that you can't beat Golden State unless you have LeBron.
0: Yeah, <laughs> pretty you much. You can't beat him unless you have LeBron. And, and, and even then, they beat him three times out of four. Ex- ex- no, exactly. Bro. They beat him exactly. three. Like, I- like, like, let's acknowledge that too. He's the only one to beat him. Obviously, we we know that Kawhi Leonard beat him as well. But we also know that Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson both went out with with season-ending injuries, and and, and so. So we know there's nobody in the basketball world that would sit here and tell you had those guys not going out that the Raptors had a chance at winning that series. I don't think so.
1: I don't think that they did. No,
0: no. you I mean, or you, you, you or anybody else
1: don't think so. A lot of listen, uh, Kawhi Leonard is great, and a lot of people seem to think that regardless of whatever happens with the Katie sweepstakes, that if if it's a sweepstakes at all, by the way, I just want to let's I haven't been seeing a lot of people do that like you know the LeBron we talk about the Steph Curry influence on the basketball court and what it means to like the, the ethos of the game but yo know, from a player perspective on on the negotiation side of things when it comes to that front office business LeBron James is the blueprint yeah and these guys are Taking, <laughs> taking the original, like the, the decision and they are blowing it up in terms of what it, its impact on just the headache and the struggles and like the, the monetary, you know, uh, values of players. Everything is, is nuts right now. It's nuts. Everyone's getting paid an obscene go, amount of money to play nuts. basketball in places they got they are going to get played in basketball basketball in places that do not have a snowball's chance in hell of winning a championship. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't I don't know what you can do as a front agent, a front office guy looking down the line and say, "Okay, unless we all decide that we're going to spend 500 million dollars each season on a roster, we're never going to win." Yeah. And and I think that and I think that that idea is being generated from players who are saying they're just too quick to. Somebody said on Twitter today. They're like, okay, so why why as a team would you give up so much for a guy like Kevin Durant who's on contract? To be like, all right, well, he's on a four-year deal or whatever the case may be, but because he's Kevin Durant, he can just – it doesn't matter. If you guys get 40 wins and you don't make the the second round, Kevin Durant's just going to force his way out via trade again. Like these, like the contracts don't mean anything to these big time players anymore in terms of where they're going to stay.
0: Oh, it meant something to to Kyrie Irving in regards to where he's going to (laughs) stay.
1: Well, that's why I think that's, that's why it feels so funny the timing of it all for him to opt in and the KD be like, Oh yeah, I'm out too. Like that doesn't really make sense. And then you see another, you know, probably completely unfounded report that they're interested in playing together, just not in Brooklyn. And it's just like, what are you guys talking about, bro? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Because as far as I'm concerned, if I'm Kevin Durant, if I want to be talking about anything, I'm talking about winning an NBA championship. And I'm sorry, but going to Phoenix or going to Miami is not how you're going to win that NBA championship.
0: I'm assuming he thinks that in the Phoenix scenario... That he would still be playing with Devin Booker and Chris Paul.
1: Hell no, Phoenix
0: ain't gonna give yeah, nothing We, we now we now I mean, know look, that, look but I think going into it, nothing for Devin Booker. I think going into it, they they thought DeAndre Ayton and maybe some other pieces, Michael Bridges. <laughs> Bridges. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. they thought that that was an option, and Phoenix wasted no time shutting that theory down. Yeah,
1: hey, I'm glad that they did, and I and honestly, I think it's better for both of them. Again, it's like you're not gonna win. <laughs> And, and, I don't know, man. It's it's again. If you're Kevin Durant, I'm going. Okay, I've tried everything. I got to go play with LeBron, and I think that that's the right choice. It's like, bro, you've already done everything that you can to like solely <laughs> whatever. So if if he's going to go play with so if he's going to, to go
0: play with LeBron, I'm assuming that the Nets, if they wanted Devin Booker from Phoenix, they definitely want Anthony Davis from the Lakers.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Would you go and then the money makes sense and I would have to put some sweeteners on it, but would you go A D and Russ straight ahead for KD and Kyrie?
0: Yes. And the reason you I would do that. And the reason I would do that, the reason I would do that is obviously I think just Mano y mano, Kevin Durant is better than Anthony Davis. And I think Mano y mano, Kyrie Irving is better than Russell Westbrook. So let's just start there. I I just think the better tandem is that, too. It seems like, and you know that that decision is not going to be finalized without LeBron having some kind of say in that, and it seems like LeBron and Kyrie are patching it up. Because we obviously know that they got a bit of a history together, but they also have won a championship together, too, and that has to be taken into consideration in regards to these two dudes being able to get to a point of patching it up. Now, clearly, this shakes things up, though, because, I mean, I know you said that there's reports that Kevin Durant wants to be traded from Brooklyn, and you would assume that some of that has to do with the shenanigans that Kyrie Irving has been through as a Brooklyn net is that directly correlated to Kyrie or is Kevin Durant blaming the Brooklyn organization for the sh- for the shenanigans that Kyrie Everett went through because he essentially well, he essentially did that against the city, the mayor. Like he went to bat for Kyrie last year in regards to the decisions that were being made from uh, the NBA all the way up to the New York mayor and so I'll tell you like this is one of I'll these things like this, where bro. like he just wants to get out of that market. You know, Kyrie at worst only has a year left in that market because he only has a year left on his contract. And I, I could believe that Kyrie and KD still want to play together. Just not there. I mean, I
1: I, I don't know. I, 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 don't don't know about that. I don't either. I don't either. That particular report, I don't know about.
0: Yeah, but and I don't know who this. you got. Who I don't know how credible the source is that reported it either, but I'm just going based off of you well, acknowledging you this, that report. Man, from a hypothetical <laughs> situation,
1: from a hypothetical <laughs> standpoint, at least optically, let's say Kevin Durant did have a bone to pick, if you will, with both Kyrie and the Brooklyn Nets organization. He definitely got a double whammy off of that. Seeming bait and switch by letting Kyrie opt in and then going, oh, yeah. I can demand a trade. Yeah, you know what I'm saying whether that was his intention or not, he kind of hit them both over the head with that one
0: for sure. Agree. And
1: and, and and like I said, you flip the you flip the whole thing on its here. But I, I mean, here's the thing, man. I, I don't think it, it needs to be really clear that like just because LeBron James is the blueprint for this, like, you know, uh, uh, just the the empowerment of the player over the last. Geez, how long that guy been in the league now? Almost 20 years. Um, he's he's definitely the architect, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, the decision making is happening all from him. He's Don Corleone. Let's keep let's Don keep it apart Corleone. right now. You gotta know this. You gotta know this, man. He's LeBron James. He's the only guy that when he goes to your city, you just made a billion dollars. He's the only guy that can demand that. And so that's where that that's why. That's why the money has gotten so absurd when Bradley Beal signs the Supermax at $221 million in, in uh, Washington this morning. Is that and what he just like, did?
0: I see the yeah, biggest deal. I, I just seen uh, uh, Yoke has just got the biggest deal, the the richest deal in NBA history. He signed a five-year, five $264 million Supermax with the Nuggets. Incredible. <laughs> incredible
1: Dog, <laughs> no, Jalen Brunson just signed to the Knicks for four years 110, 110. <laughs> I swear to God I said it on this podcast he's he's gonna get two years 54 million I pretty much nailed it right on the head and he ain't worth it mark my words he ain't worth it and so and so I was just telling a homeboy that uh, yesterday he was going oh yeah man Jalen Brunson to Dallas you know uh, I think that we should go after him we should match this is obviously before this deal and I was like bro if let's say hypothetically, if you had Jalen Brunson at two years fifty-four, and then but you could also go get a guy like Gary Payton for two years twenty-five, what would you do? He goes, Well, i take Jalen Brunson all day. I'm like, dude, you don't watch the same
0: game. Man. You're not watching the same game, man. Because
1: listen, the value the value of players has gotten so crazy.
0: Yeah. It's, but a, it's that, that, that
1: guys are you the guys that are gonna sack, the guys that are gonna suffer from that. Because the fact is, is that no matter, like all thirty-two NBA teams can't spend five hundred million dollars a year, like the Golden State Warriors could have potentially if they would have came and re-signed everybody back. They they can still get somewhere close to that, whatever. That so, so the guys that are going to suffer from that are going to be the mid-levels and the and the and the not-so-good players that are trying to get. I mean, Daniel House gets signed for two years, eight and a half million dollars in Philadelphia and you know, James Harden is going to take a pay cut. And it's like, okay, well, then where's that money going? Because it's certainly not going to this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's why it's so crazy to me. It's like if you're going to sit here and you're going to, like, manipulate the futures of all of these different NBA teams and NBA teammates, your co-workers. Just to lose to the dubs? You say what? Nothing. Go ahead. I'm just saying, dude, you need to go win a championship. And right now, it's Golden State. So if you're not going to go play with Giannis or LeBron, then I don't know what you're talking about, Kevin Durant. That's my opinion on it. Because it's like, bro, you're good, but so is everybody else. I throw, jo-
0: I throw Joel Embiid in there. I think Katie and Joel Embiid over there in Philadelphia would be a problemo. Woo-hoo, I think it, oh, would, it would be. Oh, it would be a problemo. Yeah. And
1: now they can do it because, Jay- I mean, it's all up to James Harden, though. But I- I Well, like James, Harden already-
0: James Harden already said he's – not opting in, he's planning on re-signing with Philadelphia. But he would have been making like forty-seven million a year. I know, man, but year. you still
1: got. But listen, but they just, they just signed PJ yeah, Tucker.
0: They just signed PJ Tucker. They got PJ. They got PJ. That's a nice one. But it's I'm a saying, nice one. It's
1: like all of that's good and well on paper, but you gotta have chemistry. The Golden State Warriors. I mean, come on, man.
0: Yeah, they're the they're the gold standard. Pun intended. We go blooded, it too. <laughs> <laughs> We go bloody too. Money. Man,
1: I swear <laughs> not, every year the Golden State Warriors win. This dude's on clock ten. I can't get him to come down for nothing.
0: You would it's be, a, be a you ball. would be too if it was the Blazers. <laughs> I wouldn't know how that feels. And I'm my surprised you ain't said nothing about Kevin Durant potentially becoming a trailblazer. Well, yeah, I heard Stephen A. Smith said that he's here today. In Portland. Did you hear that? I didn't. I, again, I haven't really been on the phone so much today because I've been working, man. I got a job too. But now is my time to start playing catch-up after we get done recording this podcast. And obviously, here you are filling me in right now as we record.
1: Yeah, Stephen A. said something to the effect that there's a basketball camp happening in Portland today and that, the, that Kevin Durant is allegedly in attendance. And who is he going to kick it with if he's in Portland? There's only one guy.
0: Dame Dalla. Dame dollar,
1: But I just think it's a pipe dream, bro. No chance in hell. It's not going to happen. But if it did, I would... i tell you what, dude. If it did... I'd, I'd buy real estate in Portland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd try to get more. Yeah. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd buy a. I'd buy floor seats or something because I'd be like, I need to see this. The
0: hell! The hell with that down. road! The hell with that road trip! Yeah, huh? road trip. <laughs> 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 I'm staying home, baby. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm coming home, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the hell with that cross country road trip that you got <laughs> planned in nah, your head bro. to try to catch up with the speed of information. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> nah, man. I was trying to see the speed of that ball. Around, I tell you what, look, dude. I think that Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard would be the best. I, it just feels like I the best fit. i love to see it. It feels like the it. best fit because because Kevin Durant has played with talent after talent after talent after talent. Steph Curry is probably the best point guard of all time already. Seinfeld delivered. But I don't think even... Maybe maybe Steph, but 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 Dame, his competitiveness, man, his heart, his grit, all of that that he has that I that I don't think Kevin Durant has. I think the reason why Kevin Durant was able to win in Golden State is because obviously the talent of Steph Curry in that roster, but because it was Steph. Steph is the guy who goes. It's oh, Kevin Durant can win two Finals MVPs in a row. I don't care at all. He can act like – he can feel like he's the best player on the team. It doesn't matter to me at all. But I, but everybody in that locker room knew, and they know now if they didn't already, that it's Steph Curry's world and we're all just living in it. And if Kevin Durant comes to Portland, it doesn't matter who you are. You're not coming into the Rose City unless Dane gives you the vouch. Yeah. And that's just how it's going to be until he's here. And nobody can question that. I don't even I don't even think LeBron James could get over on Dame in that locker room. To be frank with you, I mean obviously he could, but I'm just saying. And so I think that that's what Kevin Durant needs. He needs somebody to be like, I'll be the leader that can let you go out and shine, but you still know that it's me. So Kevin Durant doesn't have that responsibility. He he wanted that with Kyrie. I bet you he thought that like, oh Kyrie's the guy that can, you know articulate and talk and be the the vocal leader of the team. And I can just get buckets. Like yeah. Kyrie Cause Kevin Durant he, just likes to hoop. Yeah, exactly. And he needs that guy. You know what I mean? He needs that guy. And to me outside of, uh, you know, a LeBron James or a Steph Curry, I think Damian Lillard is his best fit for that particular sort of dynamic. But, but that's just, that's just, you know, I'm, I'm addicted to watching p- bath, possessions of basketball. And it's pretty much all I do outside of work and, and this podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's just what I see. I would love to see that. Like I say, we have no idea what's going to happen, bro. Free agency's going mainy right now. And it's already, it's only just, we've only just begun. <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> and we're going, bro. I, I, I'm seeing these reports now on Twitter about KD being in Portland right now. They say he's at Mike James camp, who, who is from out here in Portland, and Mike James tweeted, I don't know, so don't ask me. I don't know.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, man. But again, we'll get deeper into that, uh, you know, when we get when we get there. Like I said, I'll probably have a guest on next week. I've been talking to my guy, friend of the show. Speaking of friends of the show, man, we had a couple of uh, Wake Up and Win alum, if you will, that had some pretty successful weeks thus far, starting off with our guy Simba. Uh, He just released a song produced by the Dr. Dre, which obviously is huge. And I'm going to just go ahead and say this right now, man. The visual hasn't dropped yet. The song has dropped. It's a great song. Very nostalgic, especially when you put your ears on that Dr. Dre production. But I have had the fortune of being being able to see the visual. And I'll tell you, the Bay Area is in for an absolute treat. Like, this dude... (laughs) put on for the Bay on a Dr. Dre, and I think Dem Joints, it was a collaboration between those two, um, produced record. Dem Joints, yeah, it was. He put on for the Bay so hard. Like, and being from the Bay and understanding and knowing rap and hip-hop culture in the Bay, like, we thrive off of independence. And because we thrive off of independence, um, we kind of are a little bit bitter in regards to just the in, the industry at large, um, because the way we operate just obviously as isn't in full alignment with that of the industry and the music business and so on and so forth. Because we operate in an independent manner, which obviously gives us the control that we want that most places in the industry won't give. I mean, I can go into a deep dive off that, but but we created. Essentially, we like enhance, we probably have the greatest influence on the independent model in hip hop. When you think back to the Two Shorts, the E-40s, the Mac Dre's, the list goes on in regards to like the model that we created for independent artists in the Bay Area. I don't think any other region has. Even when you think of guys like Nipsey Hussle and the independent model that he created, like he paid homage to that of E-40 in the Bay Area for what it is that he was able to do during his time here on this earth. But like what Simba is doing is he actually is legitimately in the music business in a way that maybe an independent artist wouldn't be, which most of our prominent artists tend to be on the independent side of things. Yet he is still putting on for the region and the culture of our region in a way that, probably only an independent artist would because usually independent artists tend to be more like region-specific region in their content and their approach because those are the people you can more so directly connect and correlate to to be able to like touch those people and obviously make an earning to the best of your ability. And this dude has cracked the door for Bay Area artists in a way that I maybe have never seen from the rap perspective, at least black rappers in particular, um, or, or pretty damn close to it. It's been a long time. And so I'm going to just tell y'all, man, that that visual, man, it, he put on so hard for the Bay Area and and the culture and what it is that we represent and, and, and what our lifestyle is. But he's doing it on a level that I don't think is being appreciated enough yet by folks in the bay area and i'm not the only person that speaks that way the boy dame producer dj um a lot of that stuff from oakland california big time in the music industry um he's actually an anr for uh yo Gotti's label um but he's from oakland he's from the bay i seen him post something the other day when simba posted his picture with dr dre in the studio He was like, man, the Bay Area outlets, we got to do better at promoting our winners. Like, it's cool promoting the up-and-coming artists and, like, promoting stuff that feels like it's more within our politics. But this dude is from here. He's putting on from here. And there's no way that we shouldn't be acknowledging that as well. And I think a lot of that just comes down to mindset because we're not used to having an artist like Simba doing what it is that he's doing that comes from our region. So – Y'all man, get on the wave now, man. This dude, he's here to stay. Um, he's got a lot of respect across this industry. And I can tell you right now, the gas, the gas don't stop. He ain't gonna run out of gas. And to me, that's the most important part when it comes to being a lyricist, is is, is your gas endless? And I can tell you, I know for a fact that his is. So It's going to be a treat, man, to see how the Bay Area responds to this video because, for one, you ain't hearing about a lot of Bay Area artists ever rapping over anything that had to do with Dr. Dre. And for two, again, the way he put on when the opportunity was presented to him, he put on for us in particular and folks from the Bay Area. So huge shout out to him, uh, Spencer. Huge shout out to him. Shout out
1: to Simba, man! I love his music. I can't wait for the album to drop. It's gonna be sick. I've heard some of it too, low key, and uh, it's fire as hell. It, it because it's because he represents a a a perspective of the Bay that I think, you know, most people from the from outside looking in they don't they don't really understand the way that, like they don't understand the depth of that. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't see that type of person represented at large. And he just does it with so much ism that it's yeah. like, it's just truly undeniable. You know what I mean? and, and, you get, and we got and, ism and in object, the Bay
0: and he's authentically I, one of, like he's one of them, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, he is yeah. one of them. And, and that's my point is like, we need to realize that we got one of them ones from our hometown that's doing some stuff that most of us just don't do. Not saying that we can't do it, but we just don't because there is sort of, this this mentality, this culture that we've cultivated through independent artistry and he just didn't take that route. And most folks from the Bay that don't decide to take that route usually don't get as far as he's been able to even get to this point. And he's still got a long way to go, but he's still really one of them ones. If you take away everything else away, the music, the business, the industry, the success, you take all of that away, he's from that soil. And the fact that we got somebody that's really from that soil that's doing what it is that he's doing, like hop on the wave, hop on it now, hop on it fast because he, 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 he's definitely got the potential and he stepped in some doors that, that most of us just hasn't been, able to, been been able to do to this point for whatever reason that may be. Off this wave out yeah, this, this wave way. <laughs> Also I want to give a shout out to my guy Miles Bullock uh, Miles Bullock Some of y'all might remember him We had him here on the podcast um, He was slick from BMF on Stars um, He just There was an article that came out today That him and Vince Staples uh, Will be part of the cast Of the White Men Can't Jump Reboot White Men reboot. Can't Jump Reboot Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's my guy, Miles Bullock, you know what I mean? He got another gig and I'm happy for him, man, because even when we had him on here and, and he was just kind of talking about it and we we're like, man, you just had this like probably the highest moment of your career to this point, being able to be slick on BNF and having like one of the most viral scenes that that we've seen on TV like, what's next? And at that time, he's like, man, the cold part is I'm on such a high right now, but I really don't know what's next. And that's one yeah. of the tougher aspects of the industry yeah. is that you don't know what's next, even after reaching success to the magnitude that he was able to do so, 50 Cent posting you, so on and so forth. Now, we all believed something was going to come in eventually, but not to, not to not to have the stability of knowing what that something is – it, it could be discouraging in a lot of ways. So I'm really happy for him to see that he's able to be in White Men Can't Jump, the reboot, we all know, you know, the, the the original's a classic. So the fact that he's able to be a part of such a significant reboot, and and Vince Staples obviously is going to be in the reboot as well. Probably the dude I have the most respect for in hip-hop today would be Vince Staples. I think that highly of the dude. Um, I'm just happy for him, man. I think he said this is a... Uh, this will be his first movie, so that's fire, too. He's been a part of television series, obviously, and things like that. But now to be able to get a movie role and, and a reboot of a classic such as this, shout out to my guy Miles Bullock, man.
1: Major wins, bro.
0: Major wins, man. On that note, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. And go win.